You're listening to Irish Radio Canada at home and abroad, and you may recall a few months back we had a conversation with the head of the adoption agency in Ireland, encouraging people as a result of legislation that has been enacted in Ireland, which gives people who were adopted the right to have their true birth certificate. Because up until this legislation, someone who was adopted was denied a full, accurate birth certificate. And that is part of the legislation that was just enacted. And in addition to that, there was a registry set up, and that registry was designed to allow people to connect with their birth parent, parents, or children, unless they had opted out and said on the register, do not contact. Um, and following on from that, and the reason for it was in, in, and recently in the Eganville Leader in Ontario, Joanna Zomers uh, zoned in on um, one of the children. He was born uh, in the 50s, 60s, and uh, was adopted, as they say, under the table. And that's leaving them without any adoption records, a birth certificate, unable to trace any biological parentage or to gain access to information about their birth family, their birth families. And then DNA enabled the connections to start happening. And William Enright was born in 1958 in Ireland, and he was adopted at birth. And as a result, grew up not knowing, as I understand it, until he was 23, when it, he was told that he was adopted. And William is here with me. And uh, I'm looking forward to hearing William's story. William, thanks a million for coming along. And, and um, I have to say, I'm looking forward to hearing a fascinating story, but on, far, uh, on the other side of the coin, uh, an unfortunate story. Welcome. Thanks, Aston. Appreciate that. Um, so, you tell me where are we going to start? <laughs> I'm I'm actually going to throw a curveball, and I think we'll start by saying uh, one of the reasons that we made contact is because I have a new cousin, uh, Anne Godbald, in Ottawa, and uh, who I met for the first time uh, just about a month ago. And uh, you happen to know her, and she's very involved in the Irish community. So, sort of put us together, I guess. Um, so, you're right. I was born in 1958, in, um, and at the time, my parents were living in uh, Enniscorthy, County Wexford. Um, I, I guess for clarity here, when I talk about mom and dad, I'm talking about my adoptive parents. The ones I always knew as, as my mother and father, um, so yeah, and 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 they're long dead, as are my um, biological uh, parents. Um, so you're right. I didn't know I was adopted until I was 23. It was the night before. Uh, it was December 29th, 1982, when my dad told my brother, my older brother, Paul, who lives in Nairobi in Kenya, has done for 35 years, and told him first and then me that we were adopted. Paul is three years older than me. And 
So, as you can imagine, there was a bit of a shock. Um, and uh, he told us separately. Um, uh, it was interesting timing because uh, I, the next day I flew to uh, 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 East Lansing in Michigan to start a PhD at Michigan State University. <laughs> so I guess that was sort of a good thing in hindsight because I was totally distracted about, you know, my new life, let's say, where I spent nearly five years in America uh, right after that. So I had other things on my mind. Um, but, I mean, it still did hit me a bit. Now, uh, my father was quite emotional telling us at this stage. And the reason he told us then was because my mom had died four years earlier. She'd had TB all her life, but she eventually died from cancer. Um, and my dad remarried a couple of years later at my mom's request. On her deathbed, she told, she, she told my dad to get married again. He would have been only about 60. Um, my stepmother, uh, Ursula Kelly, um, uh, originally from Enniscorty, uh, convinced uh, my dad. She knew, apparently lots of people knew, <laughs> except my brother and I, uh, uh, convinced my dad to tell us, um, maybe thinking we'd hear about it at some point. I don't know. Um, flipping back, I guess, when the adoptions happened at that time, as, as you said, it was sort of an under-the-table illegal adoption. I have nothing on my birth cert or anything like that that indicates, you know, that I was adopted. Um and uh, and the same is true for my brother Paul. Um, so we we basically knew nothing. Uh, wouldn't have known, I guess, uh, like you said, except for except for DNA. Um, so he he decided to tell us, and and um, said previously, you know, him and my mom, I guess, and probably the parish priest or whoever decided. You know, no, don't tell them, um, because it was this, you know, illegal adoption. Um, and, and so we didn't know. Um, so, so William, where geographically were you? Um, I know you, you were in Canada, but, uh, when the adoption happened, were you, yes. were I, and forgive the choice of words here, were you exported immediately? No, no, not at all, not at all. Okay. No, so I'm, I'm, I would say, uh, I'm a sort of a, it might have been an illegal adoption, but I'd, I'd call it a middle class uh, adoption, probably about as good as it could have been, uh, under the circumstances. Um, so, uh, you know, it's funny, I just watched the movie Philomena for the first time. Uh, three days ago, purely by coincidence, it's been on my list to do for a while, and it was very poignant. And uh, but it, it it didn't resonate hugely with me, or the Magdalene Laundries, or any of those movies, um, because uh, as I'll tell you later, you know, my mom did not go through that sort of system. My biological mom, Th- thank God. Uh, so I, I I guess I was one of one of the lucky ones. Um, so we didn't go through the mother and baby's home scenario that's quite well known at this stage. So, so yeah, my, my, 
you know, my mom and dad were living actually in uh, Donaghy, which is near Nays County Kildare, when they adopted my brother in 1955, and um, and then had moved to Wexford uh, to uh, Glen Bryan outside Enniscorthy. Um, in 19, I think, 56, 57, and then I was adopted in 1958 in August. And so I grew up basically in Enniscorthy, went to Dublin, went to UCD and did my bachelor and master's in agriculture area, then went to Michigan State for my PhD, uh, just to continue on that sort of line, back to Ireland, worked in Chagask for six years, government research, couple of years in a biotech company. Uh, then I moved to Holland for 11 years <laughs> to a little town called Boxmere uh, with an animal health company. Then back to Ireland for another two years with the same company. And then I had the opportunity to come to Canada in 2008 with the same company to Montreal, um, where I worked for six years as director of commercial operations at uh, Merck Animal Health. Uh, and then I retired at uh, in uh, at 55 in 2014, and and basically have been doing a little bit of consulting ever since. Um, now maybe I'll just you know before we get into the whole adoption thing again, I'll give you an idea. How did I end up in Eganville, Ontario, <laughs> center of the universe? <laughs> um, well. When I was, I did agriculture in university, but I was from a town, had had relations with farms, but I was a townie, let's say. Uh, why I got an interest in agriculture, who knows? I guess I like, you know, kicking dirt around. Um, but when I, I, I did a year in an ag college in Kildalton and Pilltown, County kind of Kilkenny, and then I went to UCD uh, and did four years for my bachelor degree. Um started out very slowly and second year was the year my mom died and then I, I basically grew up and took off and uh, did okay and ended up doing a master's at the UCD farm. Um, but during my bachelor degrees, because I was lacking in, you know, agricultural experience, practical experience, the, the science stuff was fine, but the practical stuff was lacking. Uh, I worked on farms every summer. Typically around an Escorty, Clan Roach uh, area. And then uh, one summer I went to Germany and worked for two or three months at a farm in northern Germany. And then my last summer, so between my third and fourth year, I said I'd like to go to America or Canada and work on a farm, something different. And <clears throat> I guess uh, the parents put out the word through the family networks and my mother had uh, a first cousin um, uh, who was, her maiden name was Howard. And um, she uh, originally from uh, Kilrush County Clare, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, she and her husband, Bob Murphy, they had uh, visited Canada a few years previously and she had met with some of her long-lost relations who had emigrated to Canada, I think, in 1847 and had settled in this area in Eganville. And so the word came back, yeah, 
we have we have these relations in Canada and they have cows. That was about all they knew, but <laughs> <laughs> that's all I needed to hear. Because <laughs> it was the animal side and in the agriculture I was particularly interested in, especially sort of dairy side. And so they had a phone number, <clears throat> called them up, and the, 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 the old, let's say the old grandfather retired, said, sure, come on over, you know. Um, a very Irish community here, yeah. uh, a lot of Irish here. And, um, you know, I'll give a little plug here for the uh, the, the biggest uh, parade in uh, St. Patrick's Day Parade in Canada, I think, outside of Toronto and uh and Montreal is probably in Douglas, uh, Ontario, a village of about 200 people, and they'll have 5,000 people in the parade, maybe 150 floats and hoofers. And <laughs> um, anyway, uh, so can I, ended I bring, up here. can yeah. I bring can I bring you back to Ireland briefly? <clears throat> you made a yeah. comment early on, and you said that most people knew that you had been adopted, even though you didn't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm curious when you were at school. Were there any comments made that didn't make sense to you? This, either by, 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 particularly by nuns. Um, yeah, yeah. (laughs) No, funnily enough, you know, or if there was, they certainly went over my head, right? Right. And I think I can say the same, I think, for my brother Paul. Yeah. Um, I, you know, like when my dad told us, the only, you know, the sort of things that crossed my mind and what I said to him that night, cause, cause he was hurting was, you know, cause, you know, he said, will you want to find your parents? You know, blah, blah. And I said, no, I said, uh, I'm happy with the ones I got mm-hmm. and I appreciate, you know, middle class family could afford to go to university and, you know, and in, in fairness, I suppose, you know, in the back of your mind, you're thinking, you know, if I hadn't been adopted, you know, because like everyone I knew about mother and baby's homes or, you know, you were probably thinking as well, some teenage girl, uh, you know, and maybe I'd have been born into poor circumstances or something. And, you know, that I got opportunities that maybe I wouldn't have got. So that's what's going through your mind. And, um, and William, had your adopted parents any idea who your natural mother was? Uh to my knowledge, no. Right. No, no. Uh, and and I'll get to that now. Um but but I I did when the first time I was back in Ireland from Michigan State, I came back two years later for, for Christmas. And my best friend, uh, a guy called Sean Foley from Enniscorty, pharmacist in Dublin, I said, Sean, did you know I was adopted? And he sort of said, Well, I think I might have heard that one time. Yeah. And and that was it. Now, I didn't pursue it or I didn't ask any other friends. Um, but it was like, okay. So I guess people did know. But, uh, you know, um, anyway. Um, and if I can keep you there for yeah. a minute. like So yeah. when it came to confirmation and other events, um, uh, where a particular university or even job application or passports or anything where you have to produce your birth certificate. Um, yeah, well, but my birth certificate says Tom Enright and Margaret Galvin, my parents. 
Okay. There, there is nothing on my birth cert that indicates adoption. That's why it was illegal. Let's say, right? It was under the table. Uh, basically, I was born um, in August 1958. The way I now understand it is that, you know, one mother in the pregnant biological mother in the 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 the, the adoptive mother in. Uh, in Dublin, uh, it was uh, uh, St. Brendan's Percy Place, Dublin. That's what's on my birth cert. Right. And, and apparently that is one of the known places where this sort of happened. Uh, and, uh, yeah, you were sort of in and out. How long? Maybe a couple of days you might have remained with your birth mother. I'm not sure. But anyway, the two ladies left. One with a baby, one without, and um, I it it was you know again hindsight is 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 great right. So you look back. I recently refound my birth my baptism certificate, and I see that I was baptized seven days later in Donnybrook, in Dublin, which <laughs> which is a bit again a bit weird for somebody who was born in Wexford, so to speak, right. Yeah, that it was Dublin birth and then a baptism also in Donnybrook. And um, on the baptismal records, have you been able to get to the regist- the baptismal registry and see what entry was there? Uh, I haven't tried, but I, one of the reasons is, you know, the baptismal cert I have, again, would have been based on the on my birth certificate. So the priest or whoever, you know, did the job in uh, Donnybrook um, wouldn't be any the wiser either. Um, and the reason now, I want to I want to cover yeah, this is because yeah, I think yeah. it's important as well to show yeah, that yeah. what under the table actually meant was that literally there is no paper trail. There's no paper trail for me, none at all. And um, so... So skipping forward quite a few years, you know, I, I, you know, I, what I'd said to my dad was back in, you know, 19, whatever it was, 1982 was true. I didn't really have much of an interest. Um, you know, it, it only, I was ever only sort of reminded of it when I had to fill in medical stuff and it asked for family history and I would write on the thing, no idea adopted, right? And, you know, I always thought, well, that's, you know, could be a curse or a blessing, right? <laughs> I had no, no worries in one way, but, you know. Um, so then out of the blue about, I think it was four years ago, I, I think it was uh, um, 20, let's see, 2019, I'd say, uh, in June, my brother Paul in Kenya, who has an office of, in Mogadishu in Somalia, of all places, he works close to the edge in uh, security and risk management, um, got a got a letter from Tusla, T-U-S-L-A, which is basically the uh, family and children. Equivalent uh, of, of um, uh, CAS or the... Yeah, yeah can, children can, and family services or, or whatever. Yeah, children's aid. Yeah. Children's aid, and yeah. they're the ones who handle the whole adoption area in Ireland, government body. Anyway, they tracked him down 
to Mogadishu in Somalia, and he got a DHL letter telling him that he had been adopted. Um, and like he knew, but um, but it turns out, and there's, you know, if you search the internet, you can sort of see all about this. Uh, I think there was like at that time anyway, they had 127, I think, babies that they had found records on from an organization called St. Patrick's Guild. Now, St. Patrick's Guild uh, was linked to nuns. I don't know what order of nuns, to be honest, whether St. Patrick's nuns was an order. I don't think so. Um, I think they had two houses, let's call it maternity houses in Dublin. Um, but the real, the real person, I think, that sort of founded it or that, key person uh, was Dr. Eamon de Valera Professor Eamon de Valera who would have been one of the sons of our president Eamon de Valera and and anyone familiar with Ireland will know about that Um, he was a gynecologist very renowned and extremely religious Catholic like I have I have cousins who uh are doctors who worked under him, trained under him, and apparently he would even like have in the operating room have the other staff there singing hymns during surgery. Right? So pretty hardcore. Um but in any event, I guess, you know, because he's religious and the fact that he was a gynecologist, he basically I guess bumped into it, and I would. That's where I sort of said the middle. It's probably more the middle class, you know, his his regular patients, people like my mom who couldn't have kids, and but they wanted to have children, and then people like my biological mother, who was pregnant, and you know for whatever reason decided you know uh, to adopt the kid. And I guess so he was sort of like the middleman who probably said, okay, you know, um, you know, encouraged adoption rather than the alternatives, which at the time would have been taking the boat to England, as we know. And, and, uh, you know, my dad, I guess, you know, probably typical Irish male, maybe sort of said initially, I heard this from uh, my mom's sister uh, many years ago. No, no, I could never adopt. But eventually he changed his mind. And uh, I think Dr. De Valera convinced him to do that for my mom's sanity because they really wanted kids. So Paul was adopted through this system. And now Paul was one of the, his records were one of the 127 records that were found, let's say, five or six years ago somewhere and that Tusla had their hands on. So Tusla was going through, you know, trying to contact all these people. Some maybe knew like, like him that he had been adopted, but knew nothing else. And then lots of people who were never told. And, and like me, who would never know except for DNA or, you know, rumor and, you know, kids or something. And, yeah. So, William, do you and Paul have the same biological mother? No, we're not. Okay. We're not oh, genetically related. Right. Yeah. 
at all. And, and you know, that's sort of funny because after my dad told us we were adopted, <laughs> it was like, that was one of the things was like, okay, that's why we look quite different and personalities are quite different. But, uh, yeah, so at least it was that, right? <laughs> um, so that was sort of funny. We've laughed about that. Um, so yeah, so, so I guess. Yeah, he was contacted because they'd found some. And there's been, I, I know RT has put out a bunch of documentaries on individuals from that 127, some of the, the sadder cases, ones who had emigrated, um, you know, who maybe ended up, I think some of them, yeah, adopted by, say, American couples or whatever. So a little bit similar maybe to the mother and babies things, except it was the birth certs can say nothing. Um, and they would have been adopted very much at birth, I think. Which, you know, I guess if you have to say which is better, you know, that's far better, I guess, than, you know, like in, in Philomena or whatever, for um, for the baby, for the mother and child to have formed a, uh, you know, a connection and then for the, the baby to be taken away. So move us along to the DNA. Yeah, so so when Tusla contacted Paul, they sort of said, could you put us in touch with your brother, William, because we don't have any records on him that we can find, but we're pretty sure he went through the same thing. Anyway, they did contact me. I chatted to them. They, the lady, a very nice social worker in Tusla based in Kilkenny, talked to her on the phone, and she confirmed uh, that, yeah, they didn't have any records on me. And I happened to be going to Ireland a week later, so I went and met her, lovely lady, and we had a great chat about the whole, you know, system, let's say. And she basically said, yeah, I don't think we'll ever find anything on you because she thinks that having gone through the system once through Dr. De Valera uh, and St. Patrick's Guild, that the second time round when they decided to adopt a second child, that they sort of cut out the middleman and just went straight to probably, you know, uh, St. Brendan's place and, you know, arranged it there, maybe via the nuns. But apparently there's no paperwork at all. Now, Paul has since been told, I guess, you know, some very minimal information on his biological parents, both of whom are dead. Um, and, and I believe he, he might have a half-sister, but no connection yet, I think. Um, so the lady told me, she said, if you do want to go and find out more, DNA is your only option. Now, two years prior to this, I had done a DNA test with Ancestry. And I, at the time, I was president of the board of the local Eganville District Seniors. One of our speakers at some function was from Ancestry, like a rep in the Ottawa Valley. And I went because I sort of felt I had to be there, you know, just, um, you know, part of the former crowd. And um, she said at the end, she said, you know, a bit like Gay Byrne, the old Gay Byrne and the Late Late Show, right? I uh, have one for every, so one for everyone in the audience. Well, she didn't really, but she she had a forty percent off on the DNA kits, 
at that day. So I said, I know, I still no interest really in discovering who my parents were, but I said to myself, well, I wonder, am I even Irish? <laughs> so took, took, took the kid home, went online, registered through Ancestry. You only have to put in for this purpose. You didn't have to join. You only had to put in some fake name, whatever. But I, I put in a name that would be unrecognizable. I did write the word adopted. I couldn't remember this at the time, but I did. And Canada. And um, spat in the tube, sent it off to the lab, which happens to be in Dublin. Again, small world. Um, and then waited. And a month later or whatever, I got results sent to me by email saying, congratulations, you were, I was 83% Celtic, 17% Scandinavian. So I thought, oh, the good old Vikings, right? Um, later, as the records improved, I'm now 99% Celtic. Yes. So, so the, the Vikings were repelled. Um, anyway, uh, out of the blue, within weeks, I started getting emails through Ancestry saying, Hi, I'm your fifth cousin, you know, and typically from America. And, uh, you know, we, uh, what's our relationship? Which of these families do you belong to? And I just proceeded to ignore all of this, not even knowing this had, was going to happen. I, I didn't know that I was suddenly, my genes were going to be out there. And, and I mean, people would be getting emails saying, you have a new cousin. Click here. Anyway, I got a, I got an email from a first cousin and, uh, uh, Niall with a, with a, with a, with a bunch of numbers who said, okay, it looks like we're first cousins. And, you know, he said it in a much nicer way than this, but like, who are you? <laughs> anyway, uh, because at this stage I was still not open to the idea. This was before the Tusla thing came along. So I just ignored him. A few months later, I got another email. I ignored him. A year later, I got another email. I ignored him. Um, now, I did have some friends around here who were aware of it in Eganville, and they were egging me a little bit in that direction. So then when the Tusla thing happened, and I talked to the lady in Ireland, and she said, look, DNA. I said, well, as a matter of fact, I've already done Ancestry. And I, and I have made contact with a first cousin, but I've ignored him. Uh, and she said, well, also try 23andMe because she said quite a few Irish people do that. So I did that. And then I, I replied to the cousin and then he ignored me, which I thought was only fair. I'd ignored <laughs> him. As it happened, he just never checked his system for, for a long time. He later did contact me. Anyway, in the meantime, I had now decided I'm going to go for this. I contacted a, a purported second cousin, like the, the closest links, you know, I could find and sent them emails. And this guy in New Zealand, Peter Goss contacted, sent me back an email to the system and says, you know, he said, I was adopted too. And he said, you know, I've discovered lots of Irish connections and he said, yeah, we are related. He said, but I really enjoy this stuff. And he said, do you want me to help you? I said, absolutely. So to make a very long story short, uploaded files, downloaded files, sent them all on to him. 
And within a week, he came back and he said, okay, I'm 100% sure this is your mother. And I'm 100% sure either this guy or his brother is your father. And both, uh, and then the power of Facebook. So they were both from Claire Morris, County Mayo. Uh, the Claire Morris has a really good Facebook page called uh, Main Street Gathering. And where people put up old photos and, you know, a sort of historical thing and people chime in and say, oh, yeah, that's my Uncle Johnny or whatever, right? Well, within myself and, and Joanna Zummers, who wrote the article, who's a friend of mine, who uh, Detective Zummers, I would call her, um, we discovered all sorts of pictures and made more contacts. And in the meantime, you know, I did hear back from my first cousin, Niall, on my dad's side. Anyway, um, yeah, uh, I ended up then having a Zoom call with Niall and one of his brothers and his sis- only sister. And, um, you know, so they were the first to know, let's say. They volunteered to tell. Uh, so it turned out I had two half-brothers, one on my dad's side and one on my mom's side. Now, here's the funny thing. Uh, The two of them, Jared and Brian, um, were the same age, basically, sort of grew up together um, because my mom, biological mom, and my biological dad had worked together. Um, my father, who was uh, Arthur Hanley, uh, and some of his brothers were successful businessmen in Claire Morris, and my mom uh, was Eileen O'Riordan, and she worked and managed the grocery store, and I think pub in the in in the Hanleys, you know, uh, shops. Uh, anyway. Um, they had obviously, my mom, it turns out, was about 23 and my dad 35 in 1958 when I was born. Uh, I have since, um, um, so uh, just actually two years ago, yesterday or the day before, I ended up having my first Zoom meeting with Jared and Brian. They were together. They're good friends. They've known each other all their lives. Again, small town Ireland, right? It's quite a it's quite a story. I think there could be a movie in it. Uh, all the little quirky bits, you know, that um, you wouldn't expect, you know. And they always got on well. Uh, I have a lovely picture. The two of them as altar boys together. You know? And and um, Matthew, did they know? They they knew nothing. <laughs> they knew nothing. <laughs> now, let, just like in Enniscorty, that it since turned out a lot of my best friends knew, yeah. but I never knew. It turns out when now that all this is sort of open and public in Claire Morris, that there are people coming out of the woodwork saying, "Well, we had heard rumors, and you know this and that, right?" Right. So, so the funny old world, huh? Um, but they didn't know. And um, now there is. Uh, uh, one lady, but she's in a nursing home in Donegal, 
but her daughter has confirmed that her mom in the nursing home actually saw me as a baby in Dublin with my biological mom, Eileen. And so has sort of confirmed that. And to this day, we don't know if Arthur knew if about that Eileen, because Eileen, you know, had left for nine months or something. So maybe six months pregnant and then three months after. And apparently stayed with an aunt in Dublin. That's what we know. Um, and, you know, a lot of this, I don't really care. You know, it doesn't really matter. Um, the two guys and I, we had a great chat that night. We we became, we all got on like a house on fire. You know, there is something in this nature thing, I guess. Uh, uh, they, so the during COVID, this was all during COVID. Uh, so my COVID period was quite interesting because I was, you know, learning more and more, talking to them regularly on WhatsApp. And they have lovely families. Uh, you know, Jared has, uh, and his wife Nina have four kids and Brian and Sinead have three kids. They're much younger than me, which is normal. Both parents married a little bit older. So just had the one boy each. And, um, as I said, unfortunately, they've all died quite a while ago. I think of the four of those parents i think the last was 2005 so so that's a shame but um um so yeah, when and, and, so the first meeting or or coming to the first zoom call yeah um the hairs must have been kind of tingling or uh, oh yeah 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 so so i guess you know the the some of the cousins on my dad's side who had reached out to both of them because they knew them well and, and, and sort of set, set the stage, I guess. Um, and I guess one was told a few days before the other and sort of hard to believe. And, you know, so yeah, there, you know, it, it was, as you can imagine, like sort of a little weird, but, uh, and, uh, yeah. But, well, well, I can think of it being particularly weird because here neither of them know you. You don't know, they don't know you, but they've yeah. known each other. Right, and they're not officially related, right? <laughs> Except through me. Yes. So yeah, that it is sort of funny, but <laughs> but I think we are now definitely ticking of each other nearly as brothers, the three of right. us. You know, and then I have my brother Paul in Africa. Right. And um yeah, so it's a uh, quite the quite the motley bunch. And has uh, has your brother Paul uh connected with his biological Family. No, he, I think he's reached out, uh, through, through the ancestry or whatever. He did DNA afterwards. Yeah. And, and he thinks he has a sister in America, but the last, uh, the last I know, he hasn't heard back from that person. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and it turns out his father was South African, okay. like quite South African, which again, there is the nature thing there because Paul, Paul, um, uh, you know, spent two winters in the Amazon jungle, six months in Irianawa and Papua New Guinea, uh, has lived 35 years in Kenya, loved traveling, loved living on the edge. And, you know, and, and, and apparently his mother was a young lady who loved to travel. Right. So, you know, there is that nature thing going on there, right? 
apparently I am like both my biological parents in terms of, of course, all those comparisons started happening, you know, traits, you know, apparently yes. I have the, my mother's mother was a Prendergast. Apparently I have her nose. Right. Um, the Prendergast nose and I'm very organized and I'm very involved in community stuff. Both of them were. And like Eileen, uh, basically ran the drama, the Claire Morris Drama Association right. for decades. As you know, I have pictures of her with uh, President Mary Robinson. She had awards, you know, all sorts of awards, very involved in like housing projects, you know, for people. Just the, uh, the, the agricultural show uh, that I went to this past summer in Claire Morris, uh, record crowds, because it was a beautiful day. They, they both parents were heavily involved in that. Um, Arthur Hanley and he, some of his siblings and friends uh, were involved in uh, securing the land for Knock Airport, uh, you know, local business sort of right, people. Right. So, yeah, uh, my uncle, yeah, uncle, uh, Cormac, Charlie Hanley, I think. So that's my cousin Cormac and his family are huge into the horses. I mean, uh, I think the grandson rides for, for Ireland, show jumping, I think. Okay. And, uh, so there's a great uh, connection to agriculture still there. And um, So I want to bring it now back to the full circle. And the yeah. full circle being that you started out there, that where this all came from, which you discovered you had a cousin in Ottawa. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's let's because we're we're coming near wrap up time. Yeah, so yeah. I, let's let's wrap up with how you connected in with Anne. Yeah. So and I'm not you know I've been sort of overwhelmed with cousins, right? So 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 just to say quickly because it's important that uh, Jared and Brian and the, all the family, all eleven of them came here at Easter and stayed in my house and as a single guy living alone. Uh, the foundations of my being were rattled, but it was fantastic, but I was exhausted at the end of it. <laughs> uh, and since then, I was in Ireland this summer, and I spent nearly three weeks in Clare Morris, and we all got on great, and I'm going again for Christmas. Brilliant. So, <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, Anne, Anne is related on my mom's side. I believe she's Eileen's first cousin. Uh, I think again on that Prendergast side. Right. Um, but uh, we've been, you know, emailing for a while, but between COVID and uh, other stuff, uh, I only finally got to see her about a month ago. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, I, I, I do have one other cousin, like, as, as I call it, a regular cousin in Toronto for the last 35 years. So now I have uh, an old, uh, a regular cousin and a new cousin in Canada. They're my only two re relatives uh, here. That you know about yet? Well, that I know about here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I started joke. I started joke to the lads. I said, I've all, I'd always love a sister. I've always wanted to have a sister. Well, they said, you know, maybe, <laughs> could be. Who knows? <laughs> no. yeah. But uh, anyway, it was uh, it was really nice to visit Claire Morris this summer, and I, I met a whole pile of first cousins on both sides, because each of the two lads put together a, you know a little bit of a an open day for all the relations to come and meet me. So I was like King Muck, you know, 
uh, Lord Muck, should I say? And um, yeah, no, it's it's you know so yeah, like my heart goes out to a lot of adoption stories and a lot. But other than the fact that I, you know, won't get to meet my biological parents, um, I think that, they, you know, I have zero regrets. I, I got lucky. I ended up with four good ones, nature and nurture. So I like to think of my story as, as one of the positive ones. And uh, but I do commiserate with those that was much less uh, positive than that. Yeah. Well, William, we have to wrap up, and I want to thank you yep. for taking the time. It's been a real pleasure meeting, and we're going to wrap yep. up. And we're going to share a piece thank of music you. that you identified, and it's very much, I suppose, relevant to your story in one way because yep. we're going to go with uh, Gloria's one day at a time. Yeah, because you. you know, living in a time where it's uncertain, and it's been uncertain in many ways for you since you were twenty-three years of age. Yeah, yeah. That all you can literally do is cope one day at a time, and and not allow. Yeah all of this outside stuff come in right. and take over because it could be enough right, to, right. to grind anybody down. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and family and friends and love are, are the, the root. You know, you have to, that's the foundation for a good life, I think, you know. Indeed. William Menright, thanks a million for taking the time. Thank you, Aston. It was a pleasure.